Welcome everyone to the one in five. I'm Abel Baker. This is Rebecca Musseter. Welcome. This is Adam Renshaw. And we're here to talk about rural health, frontier health even. And it is an awesome, beautiful day outside. So we're going to make this really kind of short. I think this one will be like maybe 15 minutes. And Adam, do you want to share how this is connected to next week and what we're doing this week to kind of prime the pump? Sure. So we read an article uh, from National Geographic, wanted to talk about it because we've sort of what's been on our mind over the past couple of months um, as we've been talking about content and what to talk about on the podcast and on our live video. um, We have a we have a, a hospital here. In our, in our rural town. And it is a very important part of our community. And we will really value it and sort of need it, um, especially for emergent care. Um, we're 40 miles from the nearest sort of bigger town. And, and so we wanted to highlight our hospital, our local hospital, but we also wanted to ask some questions like, um, how has COVID affected uh, our our local hospital we know it's affected the medical industry and um, and so next week we're going to sit down with Christy Cottrell and she is the CEO of the Bighorn Hospital Association and she's going to join us and we're going to talk about um, some of those things but this week we wanted to do sort of a primer and talk about this article that we read from National Geographic called can rural hospitals survive COVID-19? And uh, we wanted to talk about three main things, but I'll hold off on saying what those are just in case we don't get to it for time's sake. Yeah. But Rebecca, do you want to kick us off and uh, bring bring that first subject in here and we can chat about it? Sure. Well, you know, the main thrust of the article is that rural hospitals we're already in trouble before COVID-19. In 2019, 120 um, hospitals that were classified as rural closed down with 450 um, threatened. And because this was a National Geographic article, I immediately went to like endangered species. Mm -hmm, Um, But, you know, joking aside, endangered in a very real sense. Um, And, you know, one of the um, thoughts was that COVID-19 would be um, the era of telemedicine, right? And we've talked about that a lot on this show previously about how many different barriers telehealth can overcome in a frontier community like ours or other rural communities across the nation. Particularly the distance barrier. Particularly the distance barrier, which existed before COVID-19 and will continue to exist yeah. after COVID-19. Exactly. Um, But what this article was saying is that uh, telehealth may not be like the cure-all for, um, you know, ailing rural hospitals. Uh, And there's a couple of reasons for that. Can Can we talk about what some of those reasons are? I mean, the article did point out one of those reasons is technological infrastructure. Right. Right. Can you, can you speak to that a little bit, Rebecca? Right. And we've also sort of touched on that in previous mm-hmm. shows as well. I mean, you know, not to the surprise of anyone who lives in one of our communities, 
uh, not all of us have access to good cell service or um, broadband internet. And um, that is one of the major issues. As it turns out, um, the ability to operate telehealth technology for patients or our, you know, our community members is not the barrier. You know, everyone knows how to FaceTime with their grandkids. But the barrier... If they didn't, now they do. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, but, you know, really the barrier is having enough of that, um, you know, magical technology that connects us to the world to have like an uninterrupted face-to-face video connection with a provider. That's not always easy. Sometimes it's not easy to even have an uninterrupted phone call, audio only. Yeah, you were, Adam, you were mentioning before that there's this weird rule that if somebody has broadband in their house, that counts. What was that? Yeah, they, they classify. So in a rural community, if someone claims, if one household claims to have um, access to broadband internet, they count the whole town. As having access to broadband internet, and I don't know what what that's all about, but yeah. um, so one of the I think one of the cool things that I I saw from this Rebecca and Abel was that um, there has been some money allotted from the CARES Act to actually building the technological infrastructure in rural communities and and providing that broadband access. Mm-hmm. Yes, and also as a public service, a lot of, um, you know, service providers have have provided, you know, I'm thinking specifically of Lodgegrass, Montana, where Nemont provided a hotspot mm. in the school parking lot um, that, was, that had no Wi-Fi password to it. So people could just show up to use Internet in mm. town. That's, but that's a that's temporary really nice. solution. Yeah. You know, that's, that may not continue when we, um, you know, return to normal we need a more long-term solution Mm -hmm. in rural areas Mm -hmm. i mean that's really what what this comes down to is is we need that more long-term infrastructure in place and so another you know another aspect that makes telehealth somewhat unsustainable and questionable for us aside from the fact that we don't have access to a good infrastructure to provide those services you know broadband internet cell service wise is um you know what we call the reimbursement model yeah. for these services. So, you know, most of our patients in this community are Medicaid or Medicare patients. So we provide services to those patients and are reimbursed by CMS, Centralized Medicare Medicaid Services, for those services. Prior to COVID-19, we received very little, if any, reimbursement for telehealth services. This wasn't a. This didn't prevent us from providing those services because they're really a great way to, you know, to provide that continuity of care to our patients. But the fact was that the reimbursement sucked. Okay. Yeah, they say right in here. Can I read that a little bit of the mm-hmm. portion sure. here of, for what you were saying in this article? Perkins says fifty-three percent of her patients use Medicaid, and about twenty-five percent of the care, of the care they would normally manage in person is now happening through telemedicine. Medicaid states their CARES Act rates for reimbursing telemedicine are equal to what they offer for in-person visits. Yet Perkins says Medicaid will only reimburse her thirty-seven twenty-nine for a ten-minute phone call, while a similar in-person visit would garner more. Than a hundred, yeah, that creates a real issue during this COVID. Right. Well, and thing. during COVID, the reimbursement rates are a lot higher. 
Mm. You know, it has allowed us to expand the type of telehealth services we offer. Before we were just offering clinic-to-clinic telehealth. Now we do clinic-to-patient through video connections, like the TitoCare app, Um, and even, you know, just on the telephone, audio only. We're getting reimbursements for that as well, which we didn't used to get. Okay. So... That's nice. Yes. But what they're saying is... With the reimbursement, as well as some of the other um, regulations that were out there to begin with, that sort of stymied telemedicine, I'm reading here, uh, prohibiting physicians from practicing across state lines without a license in that state, preventing Medicare, Medicaid from reimbursing, that's what we're talking about now, uh, for hospitals, for audio only. Um, These are set to expire Yeah, uh, when when the pandemic ends. Right. So we've talked about this a number of times, right, Rebecca? So um, wanting to leverage telehealth into the future for our organization, but being able to get reimbursed for these telehealth services. I mean, what's that going to look like going forward after COVID? Right. I mean, so that's the thing. To me, the key word is sustainability, Because, like I said, the barrier of distance doesn't go away when COVID-19 ends. Um, And so, you know, at least from the Bighorn Valley Health Center perspective, we're providing telehealth services into the future. We're not going to stop offering them regardless of what the reimbursement Mm -hmm. models are. But one of the reasons we're able to do that is because we're providing health services to our community as part of a, you know, like a continuum of care. You know, we're one community partner among many that is offering services to our patients. So in that sense, you know, we're more robust than we would be alone because we're working with the hospital to provide services. And that brings us to really our last point that we wanted to talk about right today. And that is in our community, if if the hospital goes under, does the community die? So. One of the things we were reading in this article was that um, some of these smaller towns, they're they're living, their lifeline is the hospital. So is that something that could happen in our community or do we have, I mean, you talked about these community partnerships. What, how does that play in with with the hospital and with all the other stuff? Well, you know, it's like you said, we're, we're very lucky to live in the community that we live in um, because while the hospital is one of the top employers in Bighorn County um, and does provide a lot of services that are not duplicated anywhere else, you know, they're our nursing home, they're our main lab, mm-hmm. they're the place we go for emergent conditions, um, you know, they are also part of the same continuum of care that Bighorn Valley Health Center is. So. Mm-hmm. You know, between the hospital and the hospital clinic and the Bighorn Valley Health Center clinic and our pharmacy and um, the county public health department and the food bank and HRDC and, you know, other community partners, you know, we are a lot more resilient. Mm-hmm. I, 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 we, we only have a couple minutes left. Yeah, yeah. So what do you guys um, want to ask um, Christy, next week in regards to our hospital, do you have any questions that you would like to ask or any topics that are 
listeners can kind of expect? So I'll go ahead and just start and say I would be interested in if the listeners have absolutely any questions. If you guys have any questions you want us to ask Christy uh, Cottrell next week, the CEO of the Bighorn Hospital Association, we would love to hear your questions and uh, just begin to make a list. We already have some stuff that we yeah, want to ask. Yeah, put them in the comments below exactly. on uh, Facebook and YouTube. But but let me share with you. It's uh, it'll be on the video. It's the one in five podcast at iCloud.com. So remember that. But that's go ahead, the email address. Yeah, that's the email address. I was just going to say that, and then I was going to ask Rebecca if you want if there's a couple things that you just want to, to pop sure. out. Sure. Well, you know, this National Geographic article specifically calls out critical access hospitals mm. um, as hospitals that are under stress or in danger, um, especially after COVID-19. And so my number one question is, what is a critical access hospital? Mm-hmm, sure. Um, and is the Bighorn... Hospital Association. Yes. Yeah. Uh, critical of, access yeah. hospital. Good question. Good um, question. My next question, you know, for Christy would be her perspective on how is our hospital connected to our community? Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so next week, everyone, we're going to sit down with Christy. We're going to ask her a couple of these questions. We're also going to move. Christy has had COVID. Yeah. So we're going to talk about that, and we're going to have an actual uh, person's experience of yeah. what it's like to walk through COVID-19. Um, and we're going to talk about the effect this has had on the Bighorn Hospital Association. And then hopefully also what we're going to do is we're going to get some updates from her on the uh, the work that's been being done. Yeah. Uh, out at the hospital, they've been expanding and renovating, and so hopefully we'll get an update as well as being able to ask some of your questions and some of what Rebecca just said as well. So, Fantastic. Thank you for joining us on the one in five. Uh, we look forward to seeing you next week. Again, send us any questions. You can put them below in the comments. Um, see you later and have a real healthy day.